Uh, my name is DJ. I'm one of the pastors here. If you don't mind starting the uh, countdown when you get a chance, because I don't want to keep you even 30 seconds longer than I absolutely have to. I know that's what you're thinking. But, um, but we are in a series called Jesus at the Center. And man, I'm excited about that. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but our culture right now, our um, just climate tends to be a little, you know, I actually posted something meant to be humorous a couple weeks ago on Facebook, and whoo, glory to Jesus. I don't know if you saw it, but it was like, I believe in mandatory, what I, the post said was, I believe in mandatory vacations, and anybody who doesn't agree should be forced, but you would be surprised. <laughs> I ended up having to take the whole thing down. He's like, oh, okay, never mind. But yes, I would think we all kind of have noticed we live in a day and age where, woo, there's so much tension, there's so much heat, there's so much anger, there's so much discouragement, there's so much hopelessness, there's so much anxiety, ah, all of it. And you know what? I think God just wants us to know in the middle of all that, that he not only has the answer, he is the answer. That there's never been a better time to say, whoa, 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 time out. Let's bring Jesus right here, front and center. Let's, let's put him at the center of our mind, of our heart, of our hope, of everything that we are, and of our church, and of our families, and of our marriages, and of our friendships, and of just everything we are. Because then everything else can begin to kind of take its rightful place in that constellation. Right when he is the very center, and so I'm just so excited that, that he's led us to do that. And I think it's just there's so much life in, in honoring Jesus and putting him at the very center. So I'm honored to be able to, to contribute to that and to share with you today. If you haven't heard uh, the first couple of weeks on this series, I encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel and you can watch those about Jesus just being at the center and drawing us into a life of prayer and communion with the Father. Last week, Pastor Dan shared on Jesus our righteousness. Ooh, glory. That'll preach right there. I'll tell you what. If you've ever tried to accomplish your own righteousness, if you've ever tried to be good enough for God, uh, whew, you know what good news it is that Jesus is perfect, that he's the perfect lamb, that we don't have to try, that he has given us for free what we could have never earned for ourselves. But this weekend, I want to jump into the fact that Jesus is our healer. Jesus, oh yeah, glory. Mm, come on, somebody. Tell you what, it's good news. It's part of the gospel. It's part of the evangelon, I think is the word in the Greek, but it's part of the good news. When we talk about Jesus being our savior, that word in the Greek is sozo. It's also the name of a local chiropractor here in town, so that's just for free. But uh, they, they chose the good name. It means saved, delivered, and healed. And here's what God wants you to know. He cares about you, heart, soul, spirit, and body. He sees you as the totality of who you are, you know, raised in Pentecost, which I'm very thankful for. But boy, there, there, there was a tendency at times just to see it all about the spirit, right? Man, as long as we can get you to pray a sinner's prayer, maybe speak in tongues, whoo, glory. It's, it's, we're there. You know, we're, we're not even halfway there, as Bon Jovi said. We're 90% there, right, if we can get those two things. <laughs> but I think that God sees us in the totality of who we are, body, soul, spirit, mind, emotions, all that we are, and he cares about us, and he wants us to be whole. He wants us, he wants to bring healing into our lives. And so that's part of the good news, and it's so important that we see that, that we receive that, in order then to be able to be channels of that into a world that, let me tell you what, you already see it as much as I do, is desperately, is bleeding out, 
is needing to know the, the healer, is needing to know that Jesus is the only one that holds the key to their healing, to their wholeness as a person. And so I want to read uh, the story from John chapter 5 of the man at the pool of Bethesda and how Jesus healed him. And so I'm going to read, I believe it's the first 15 verses, and we've got those. If you can pull those up, I'll read them from the New Living Translation. If you want to follow along, whether you're uh, at home joining us online or here in person, you can go to the Version app on your device and find the event for Shine Church. All of the notes are in there. You're welcome to follow along. But I'll just begin here with verse 1. It says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, the blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. For an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in after the water was stirred was healed of whatever disease he had. Time out on that particular verse. That verse is questioned whether or not it's in the original languages. But either way, it gives a context of what the people believed, right? That they believed that if you were the first person in the water, that you would be healed. Okay. One of the young men lying there, excuse me, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time. I would say, yes, 38 years is a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat. And walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't walk on the Sabbath. Clearly, focusing on the important things that were going on. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, The man who healed me told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man did not know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Wow, so much in this story that I believe God wants us to grasp, not just here, but, but here, that can really bring healing to our life and make us uh, agents of his healing. The first thing I want to talk about is the fact that Jesus begins his interaction. Jesus sees him there in his suffering after 38 long years and is opening with this man is, do you want to get well? How, I don't know how that seems to you, but if I were that guy, after 38 years of crawling my way, probably bruising elbows a whole bit, trying to get to the water time after time, day or week or month after month, whenever those waters were stirred. And somebody came and had the audacity to ask you, hey, do you want to get well? I might have punched him in the face. I mean, it seems like an odd question to ask, doesn't it? Do you want to? And have you ever found that sometimes in our life when there are pockets in our heart or maybe in our physical body, but so often even in our mind and our soul, that need healing, Jesus sometimes comes in with a question that seems to cut through some stuff and just maybe go right to the heart. And he starts there. He asks him, do you want to be well? And maybe that is an important question. I think most often healing begins 
when we make a decision that we truly want to be healed, that we truly want to change, that we truly want what God has for us. And so often we skip over that, but God respects our desires. He respects our authority over our own lives. He's given us that authority. He's made us sovereign, right, over this little piece of earth. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, so I heard it preached one time, uh, may it be done on in this little piece of earth as it is in heaven, right? I'm the only one who can give God permission to truly bring the kingdom in this little patch of earth, and you are for you. But Jesus came to this man and asked, do you want to be well? He, he cut through all of the other stuff and went right to the heart. I may not always appreciate it, but I believe that God knows how to do that well, to go to the heart of the matter and to have me take a step back, even in the midst of my pain and suffering and all the assumptions I've made about it and what should happen next and how God should do this for me or that for me. And he has a way to have me step back and invite me into a conversation, not just about what's broken, but about my whole heart, my mind, my relationship with him, my, my view of him, all of it. And that's what he does with this man. Listen to the man's response, though. I believe it reveals his condition. When, when he asks this man this, the man doesn't even respond, does he? He says, do you want to be well? And the man didn't answer that question. What did he say? Well, I can't because, you know, when, other, when the water is stirred, uh, no one is helping me get to the water. And then even maybe when they are, somebody else jumps in in front of me. And I believe Proverbs 13, verse 12, speaks to this when it says these words, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Can you imagine what it would have been like for this man to be 38 years waiting to be healed? I can understand how in that period of time, he would have very much felt like his hope was deferred time after time after time after time, after time. And maybe that's how you feel in a certain area of your life. By the way, we're not just speaking of Jesus being our healer physically. I'm thankful he is that, absolutely. That is part of the gospel, that he came to bring wholeness to our physical bodies. And, and maybe if that's what you need today, God wants you to hear. He wants you to be whole. But I believe that it goes far deeper than that. We can have sickness in our soul. We can have sickness in it, yeah? We can have sickness in a relationship. We can have pain from a divorce. A good friend of mine was sharing in our home this week in a small gathering we had about how his 19-year-old daughter isn't speaking to him after he went through a divorce. And so there's that pain of a father's heart of a child who doesn't understand and, and is judging and is angry and, and understandably so, right? And in, in the midst of all the, the pain. Maybe there's a financial situation you've gone through and there's bankruptcy or you've lost a job or, you know, whatever it might be and you find yourself just sick of, of soul or sick of mind or just sick in a friendship. You felt judged, you felt rejected, you felt pushed out of a circle of friends and you feel lonely. Whatever those things might be, it's so easy to have a sick heart. And when we have a sick heart, like I believe this man did, Notice this, it has, a sick heart tends to give the power to other people. Did you notice that? He was like, do I want to be well? Well, I'm not even going to answer that, but look at what they're not doing to help me. So all of a sudden, I'm looking at what other people should do for me and how they're falling short of what they owe me. 
And then what else? Well, and even when I try to get in, somebody else jumps in in front of me. So then a sick heart is looking at the success of others and how they're being healed and how God is being good to them. And again, more and more walls go up. More and more I push deeper, deeper into my own mind or the cavern of the darkness inside of me. And I'm not even able to see the one who's standing before me who wants to bring healing to me. But here's the good news. You guys ready for some good news? Whew, I know I am. I know it got a little deep there. But don't worry, there's good news. In the midst of this man's sick heart, in the midst of our sick hearts, here's what Jesus does. He doesn't sit there and argue with the man. He doesn't find fault in his theology and say, well, you're completely messed up. You're blaming others. You need to straighten out your thinking. He doesn't point his finger at him and show him how he's wrong in so many ways about his assumptions about God. You know what he does? He looks at him in love and he says, get up, take up your mat and walk. He brings the power of heaven into this man's life and he wants to do the same thing with you and with me in the area of brokenness, in the area of pain, in the area of sickness in our life. And that man did exactly what he said. <laughs> he believed in that moment, in spite of all of his messed up theology, he believed the words of Jesus to him. And he was straight that he got up, he walked, he took up his mat and walked. And, uh, you know, ever since the beginning of creation, when we see Adam and Eve in the garden, I believe that it's been God's heart for us to walk with him. Genesis 3 verse 8 says these words. When, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, speaking of Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And of course, in this case, they had sinned, and so they hid from the Lord among the trees. But I believe that we're given an indication that God loved to walk with them in the garden, in that place of fellowship in that place of friendship, in that place of intimacy and sharing. Who knows what they talked about, right? Maybe they were, you know, thinking up of like names like hippopotamus, stuff like that, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe he was telling them, you know, which hot peppers, you know, that's a ghost pepper. Might want to watch out with that one. <laughs> I've always thought about, right, like cuisine, you know, the, you know, what kind of mushrooms to eat and not eat. You know, one of the conversations that, did God give him a little heads up? Like, yeah, if you eat that one, you're going to die. So, don't, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But however it was, they walked in sweet friendship. God wants us to walk in sweet friendship with him. And I believe that God was extending that invitation to this man just like he does to us to say, hey, in the area that you felt paralyzed, in the area that you've been immobilized, in the area where your brokenness has kept you from walking with me, I want to speak my life into that and say, walk, get up, be strengthened, be whole, be healed and walk in that area. And the word of Jesus can change 38 years of brokenness in a single moment. But here's the thing. I love it when it happens in a moment. Do you love it when it happens in a moment? Woo, thank you, Jesus. Bring it on. Bring on the instant healing. Yes. Amen, Lord. Yes, Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes it doesn't happen that way, right? Sometimes that get up and walk can look differently in our story. And there's a guy here in, in our church fellowship. His name is, uh, well, Greg, but he goes by G. And he has a condition called HSP. The first word is hereditary, and then it's like, it's a medical condition. You can look it up. <laughs> but it brings decay 
in the legs in particular and stiffness and it can even lead to paralysis, you know, lack of mobility. And he has this condition and uh, he's had 12 surgeries on his legs, on his ankles, his tibia, different, different, ankle, different parts of his body. And you'll see him when he walks, I mean, his, his legs are contorted. They don't look, you know, you can tell very clearly that, that there's been a lot of suffering, a lot of procedures, a lot of this process that we're talking about. But here's the thing, when you talk to G, that you'll notice very clearly is that he is getting up and walking. Because God has done something in his heart where he has heard the word of the Lord speak into his life, get up and walk. And so he used to be an executive at General Electric, and he's retiring out of that. And he's like, he's helping with the alms ministry around here. He's like, what else can I do? I'm like, can you greet? He's like, yes, I can greet. What else can I do? He is jumping in with both legs, ironically, into walking with God. He's out there on the trails in Highlands Ranch where they live. For a while, he had to have this walker that was like, he would put his elbows in it and literally just walk one painful step at a time. And he would walk half a mile, three quarters of a mile, a mile, and it would take him hours, hours to do what you or I could probably do in 15, 20, 30 minutes. But he did it one day, then another day, then another day. Now he's down to crutches, and he's still working out several times a week. He's got one route that I think is a mile and a half, another one that's like three miles. And these crutches, if you ever see him asking about them, they're pretty cool. They have a little flashlight on them that you can push a button. They also have a horn. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like beep, beep. I mean, it's not very loud, but, you know, on your left, you know, kind of deal. <laughs> so when he's passing people, <laughs> but he gave me permission to share this with you because he was like, yes, if my story can be a blessing, because here's the thing. I believe sometimes we hear the word of the Lord and our spirit walks before our legs catch up. Right? Sometimes, like, we're like, yes, God. We say yes to him in forgiving someone who's hurt us or in believing for a blessing that is delayed for 38 years maybe in our life. But our spirit says yes to him. And, and he gives us the power to just say back to him and believe what he said. Maybe that's the first step, even when we're still feeling kind of paralyzed. Or maybe when we're feeling, you know, like, oh, I'm not sure if I can forgive that person. You know, Corrie ten Boom shares a story. If you know her, she, was, she and her family sheltered some Jewish people in, in a hiding room. There's a book by that name, The Hiding Place. And, uh, and they were ended up, her family was dragged to a concentration camp by the Nazis. And in that concentration camp, her sister, I believe, died due to the extreme abuse and torture that they underwent, the extreme amount of work and dehydration and hypothermia and, you know, not having enough food and not having enough clothing and working for whatever, 12, 14 hours every day. Her parents, I believe, died as well during that process. She miraculously made it through that, made it out, and then made her way around different churches, sharing her testimony. But in one church that she was in Germany during that time, a man walked up to her after the end of the service and stretched out his hand. And when she looked at him, she remembered he was one of the prison guards at the concentration camp. One of the very people that had brought such pain and that represented a group of people that had brought death to her family whom she loved. And she tells of how she really struggled, right? Because these 18 inches from, from here to here can feel like miles when it comes to forgiving someone. 
And she had to wrestle through that as an incredible godly woman of God who had forgiven so many. But in that moment, it felt almost impossible. Maybe you feel that way in your life and you're like, God, I, it's so hard to forgive. It's so hard to believe. It's so hard to give this person another chance in my life. It's so hard, whatever it might be, to trust you with my finances. It's so hard to believe that you're going to give me deliverance over that sin that continually pulls me down, that I feel so shamed by, so embarrassed with. And God is saying to you, hey, my word can give you power to take that first step and then another and then another. And you will see the healing fill your entire being. The Pharisees obviously were clueless as they typically were. It's fun to pick on them since they're not around to defend themselves. <laughs> Quick note, don't, let's not be like those guys, right? They're like, wait, but technically you can't um, pick up that mat because it's the Sabbath. Ha, got you. But notice this. I love the man's response. They're like, you shouldn't be picking up your mat. And he's like, oh, okay, well, the guy that just healed me of a disease that I've had for 38 years that kept me immobilized and gave me new life and gave me hope and changed everything, he told me to pick up my mat, so that's what I was doing. <laughs> do, you think, do you think it's safe to say that a changed life sets up a disciple who wants to follow Jesus way more than arguing and debating? Woo! I think if we as the church of Jesus Christ is wanting to have a make a difference in our world, Maybe, maybe there's a, a, an admonition to us here to say, hey, if I stop preaching so much and I start bringing healing and start seeing Jesus use me to bring healing and restoration to the brokenness, all of a sudden the, the discipleship takes care of itself. They're like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know any theology, but... The person that changed my life and brought healing told me to pick up my bed, so I just figured that's what I would do. Sorry. And we're going to have a generation of people that want to obey Jesus, want to follow him wholeheartedly because they've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. God, help us to be your people, your agents of healing. The last thing real quickly here that I wanted to focus on is that Jesus gives a little parting zinger. Did you catch that in the story? So there's all this amazing, you know, so far it's like, oh man, 38 years, and then Jesus steps in, and then he heals them, and they're crying, and oh, it's such a beautiful story. And then Jesus is like, oh yeah, and by the way, stop sinning. So there's something worse doesn't happen. It's like, <laughs> Hallmark music suddenly stops. Comedian Brian Regan talks about going to see the doctor for his yearly checkup, and he gets through most of it, and he's almost home free. He's literally closing the door to the doctor's office. Maybe you've been here. And the doctor's like, oh, yeah, and one more thing. Lay off dairy. And he's like, ah! <laughs> he talks about the fact of, you know, you go to the grocery store, and all the dairy aisle people are wearing party hats, and, <laughs> you know, they're all, like, in the milk and shakes and having fun. Maybe if you're yeah, lactose tell you know what we're talking about. He's like, then you look over in the juice aisle where all the healthy food is and like slumped over, you know, getting their cranberry juice. <laughs> he wants to be in the dairy aisle having a party. But that sometimes is how we take this statement by Jesus. Hey, go and sin no more so something worse doesn't happen to you. 
And it seems to kind of ruin the whole happy vibe. But, I, but here's what I believe. It's in there for a reason. Do you agree that Jesus didn't do things for no reason? And I think we know enough about the character of Jesus that we've just seen that he loves us. He wants to bring healing. He's not about shaming. He's not about condemning. He just, he just took this man's sickness that had afflicted him for 38 years. So, so it kind of makes us go, okay, well, what is going on? Okay, all right. Is it okay to say sometimes like, oh, okay, I, help us understand, Lord. What are, you, what are you doing here? I don't fully understand. It's okay to say that we don't understand. God, help us to see your heart, your character. You know, is Jesus saying you brought this on yourself? Well, what do we know from Scripture? Can sin, can our own decisions sometimes bring a consequence that brings pain and suffering? I think that's pretty obvious. We all have probably, can think about our lives, think about a decision that we've made that has brought either physical ramifications, right? I chose to get a motorcycle 17 years ago. Five weeks later, 87-year-old man pulled out of a stop sign right in front of me. I went flying through the air, broke my wrist, broke my kneecap. Most importantly, my wife will never let me get a motorcycle again. So can everybody like, oh, can I get a little bit? Yeah, thank you, right? But I mean, boom, that was taken from me. But you know, hey, it was a decision, right, that I made. Different things like that. We can probably look at different things and see, yeah, there are natural consequences. Look at the book of Job. It's very clear in the word that sickness or suffering is not always associated with something I've done. In that case, it was Job's righteousness that actually opened the door for God, like, oh, devil, you think, you know, you think you got this? You think that he's going to betray me? Okay, go ahead and test him and afflict him a little bit, right? So we know sometimes righteousness and doing everything right and walking with the Lord can bring challenges sometimes. So yeah, clearly it's not always. Be very clear, guys, I, I believe God wants us to know, don't ever let the enemy like, well, you obviously have done something wrong and blah, blah, blah. No, no. Now, sometimes maybe, and maybe Jesus was bringing attention to the fact that, okay, maybe there was something specific that brought this on yourself. Again, Brian Regan has a, a, a little deal that he talks about when he goes to the emergency room, and he talks about what it would it be like if they had cannonball ointment, you know? There's a cannonball wound. Can you imagine having a cannonball wound? And then he says, you know, you open the box, you read the instructions. It says, number one, do not stand directly in front of a cannon. How true that is. <laughs> so maybe, I, are there times when Jesus is wanting us to understand, hey, don't stand in front of a cannon again. Hey, those dozen donuts you were eating every Saturday and Sunday morning, DJ, and then you found out you're pre-diabetic? Like, maybe lay off a little bit of that, right? Maybe that thing that you were allowing into your life, that relationship at work, that all of a sudden was getting a little too cozy and too friendly, don't go there anymore, right? Hey, don't stand in front of a cannon. Does Jesus' healing have also a prescriptive idea of, hey, I want you to walk in this freedom and not return to the same thing that brought some pain, that had something to do with the pain and the brokenness that you are so happy to be delivered from? I believe it's okay, right? I think if we, Pastor Rob said this, when we truly know the heart of God, we want his truth. We want it, right? Jesus came full of grace and truth. Pastor Dan taught on it two weeks ago. Jesus came full of grace and truth, the truth that can set us free, the truth that is for our own healing. And the more that we know the character of God towards us 
and his love, the more that we trust the healing that's on the other side of that truth. If you've ever had to get an x-ray or an MRI, you know, okay, there's some truth there, right? Of like, here's what's happening. Yes, the, bro the bone is broken. But good news, on the other side, now that we know what's going on, we can bring healing. That's the heart of God for us. Even in truth is always to say, it's not about the truth for its own sake, but it's about I want to get you to the healing that's on the other side of that x-ray and of my truth about your life. Most importantly, though, I believe that Jesus is saying this. I believe Jesus is saying, don't keep sinning. And if sinning is, as the Greek tells us, missing the mark, it's kind of an archery term that was used for missing the bullseye. Who do you think the bullseye of the universe is? Who is the bullseye of our lives? Who is God saying, I want to be the bullseye, the center of your vision? It's him. It's Jesus. So when he's saying, don't keep on missing the bullseye, maybe he was also in some small way saying, hey, a couple of moments ago, I just stood in front of you asking you, do you want to be well? And you didn't even see me. You didn't even know that it's not about the other people and what they're not doing for you, and it's not about what you've experienced in the past. I'm here to bring life. I'm here to bring wholeness. Just make me your vision, and everything is going to change. So maybe that's a reminder to us to say, you know what? Be thou my vision. Lord, be thou my vision. Be the center. Let, let all the other stuff. Yeah, we've all had hurts and times when we've hoped for healing and hoped for change and it hasn't happened. But it's always a new day and a new opportunity to say, Jesus, I put all that aside and just look to you. You are my healer. You are the mender of my heart. You're the healer of my brokenness. You're the giver of hope. Be the center of everything.